Good morning. Let us hear a few words from the Lord. We, I will be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. If you like to use your pew Bible, turn to page 992. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. May the Lord add a blessing to those who read the word, who hear the word, and who are doers of the word. Good morning, everybody. Welcome back. Happy New Year. How's those resolutions going? How many have already given up? It's okay. You're among friends. Nobody? nobody? Everybody's holding on. Holding on. All right. Holding on. All right. Yes, thank you. We have one honest person in the room. <laughs> Don't make any. There you go. Maybe this year you, you made a goal or a resolution. You know, Paul says bodily training, bodily exercise, it's, it's, it's somewhat profitable, right? Maybe you're in the room and you've decided to exercise this year or to, to eat differently. Maybe you're on a diet. Maybe you're, you're training. There's lots of athletes in the room, especially amongst the, the younger among us. <laughs> Some of us are beyond the athlete stage of life. <laughs> maybe, maybe you have made a spiritual goal for the year. Maybe you're reading through the Bible in a year. I did that once. It only took me three and a half years. <laughs> Maybe you're trying to pray more or, or come to church more often. These things are good, aren't they? It's good. We want to see growth and transformation, don't we? 
That's normal. That's natural. That's part of being alive. It's part of being a person, is that you want to grow, you want to change. Our series for these last couple weeks and for the next couple weeks, Growing in Grace. So we want to grow, but we want to grow from the power of grace. We want to grow from a gospel-centered mindset. And so this is, this is what our vision kind of looks like visually, but also stated. We glorify God by making fully devoted followers of Christ. And so you can see the gospel at the center there. Because we want to be able to grow not from our own strivings, but from the unconditional love and mercy of God in our lives. The gospel, from the gospel, from the work of Christ, we work from the work of Christ. Amen? And so today we want to we focus on that one, that little box called disciple-making, disciple-making. But today, maybe talking about it in a different, little bit different way, because the first step in all disciple-making is to take responsibility for your own spiritual growth. Paul said it this way in the passage that Laverne just read, train yourself for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. No one, no one can force you or make you grow in Christ. Not even your pastor. Not even your wife. Not your parents. Not your roommate. No one can force this upon you. It is a work of God in you that you cooperate with as you train yourself in godliness. So that's our sermon title this morning, Training in Godliness. We're going to focus on that part of the passage. I also would want to say get uh, in your Bible, get to 1 Timothy and just be ready. We're going to flip through a couple other passages in 1 and 2 Timothy. So just be ready for that as we go. We'll, we'll move Backwards in the text and forwards in the text a little bit too. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7, train yourself for godliness. You know, there's, there's a paradox to our spiritual growth. There's this great paradox. Uh, you, we, don't, we don't grow spiritually by trying to grow spiritually. We don't become more sanctified by obsessing over our sanctification. And yet, at the same time, like Pastor Mark said last week, we don't, no one has ever stumbled into godliness. You don't, you, don't, you don't just passively sit there and wait for God to zap you with holiness and godliness. That's, that doesn't happen either. What's the middle ground? What, what do we actually do? We train. We train for godliness. Before we talk about the training aspect, let's talk about this word godliness for a second. So, lesson number one, godliness is faith in Christ in you. Godliness is faith in Christ in you. The word godly is only used 15 times in the whole New Testament. Nine of them are in 1 Timothy. So, it's an important word in this letter. 
and then two more times in 2 Timothy, Timothy. So the majority of times, it's Paul talking to Timothy, and he's using this word godly. And the word godly is not a Christian-y word back then. It's a very common word. It's a secular word. It's the, it would be very similar to our word religious. So if I said, I'm religious, and you're religious, most Americans are religious, right? They have some sort of religion. Or we might today, more, more modern times, we might say, I'm spiritual, right? People will go around and they'll say, I'm spiritual. That's the way they used the word godly back then. I'm godly, you're godly, everybody's godly, we all want to be godly. Now, they lived in a system where there was a pantheon of different religions and gods and deities. And so, godliness just meant, I'm listening to my God. And then in Ephesus, where Timothy was a pastor, they were very deep into what they called mystery religions, mystery religions. So, the god or goddess, in Ephesus it's Diana, they, they reveal mysteries, but only to certain people, only the best of the best, the most godly, the most pious, the most dedicated receive the mysteries from their god or goddess. Okay, why am I telling you all this? Because you need to understand these words before you can understand what Paul's saying, okay? So, go back, flip back to chapter 3, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 14 to 16. 1 Timothy 3, 14, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the what? Mystery of what? Godliness. So Paul's taking one of their concepts, and he's, he's about to flip it. He's about to, he's about to use it for his own devices. <laughs> Great indeed is the mystery of godliness. What's the next word? He. He. He was. The mystery of godliness is a person. The mystery of godliness is not some way out there knowledge that only a few people can ever attain to. The mystery of godliness is a person. Let's keep going. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. Who's he talking about? Jesus. The mystery of godliness is the person and work of Jesus. He was incarnated, he resurrected, he died, he resurrected, he was glorified, and the church is proclaiming him around the world. That's the mystery of godliness. So godliness is the way what Paul's saying is true godliness is faith in Christ. True godliness is the transforming power of Christ in you. That's godliness. There's power in the blood. Christ, what is my hope? Christ, my hope in life and death. Godliness 
Therefore, to be godly, see, and here's, the, here's what most of us do as Christians. In order to be godly, we fixate on ourselves, when in reality, to be godly, we need to fixate on Christ. If I want to be like Christ, what should I, who should I spend the majority of my time looking at? Christ. Don't look at yourself. Look at Him. Look at Him. We look at each other. I wish I was as godly as her. We look at, we look at um, what the world says we should be doing or even what religious leaders say we should be doing instead of looking at Christ and what He has done for us. Godliness is therefore the result of faith. Godliness is the result of faith. And you say, well, Brady, wait a minute. Faith and training, those are opposite concepts. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. When you train in something, you train in it because you believe in it, right? You, you, you believe it could actually happen. That's why you train in it. So, lesson two, train for godliness. Train yourself for godliness. Have you ever trained for something? Of course you have. Everybody in here has. You've gone to school. Maybe you have a job. I don't care what job it is. If you work at Subway, someone trained you how to make a sub. And if you're performing open-heart surgery, somebody trained you how to, how to do open-heart surgery, right? You've been trained. Maybe you're in the military. You are, no, you, you are used to training. You have been trained. Maybe you're a musician. Brad, that, that was not the first time Brad played the trumpet. <laughs> He's been playing a while. And my guess is he practices. Have you ever trained? The word train, gumnazo. It looks like gym, gymnazo, gumnazo. You, right away you hear athletics, you hear gymnasium. Cue the Rocky montage. Dun, 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 dun. Come on, right? You with me? You've been there? Training. Why do we train? We train so that we don't have to try. Write that down. That's good. <laughs> we train so that we don't have to try. How many of you have ever been in the airport? You're getting ready to get on your flight, and they come over the, they come over the speaker. Welcome to flight 5049. Is there anyone who would like to try to fly the plane to Miami? <laughs> You're not getting on that plane. No, I want the person who's been trained how to fly a plane. To fly, I don't want somebody in the line to be like, I'll, I'll try, I'll try. I'll, I mean, I'll give it a whirl. How hard can it be? Last year, the pastors went to this place uh, where you can shoot sporting clays. You know what I'm talking about? They shoot someone's dishes up in the air, and you shoot them with a gun. Man, I was just trying. Literally, at one point, I was just closing my eyes. Pull! 
happen. And just hoping by the grace of God that I would hit something. Other pastors knew what they were doing and were way better at it. I think Jamie at one point had it on his shoulder backwards with a mirror. <laughs> Boom. And he was, just, he was just shooting them out of the sky. It was crazy. I was trying. I was just trying. Look, a lot of us, that's how we're living our Christian life, isn't it? Like, let me just kind of, just point me in the right direction. And hopefully I get it right today. Hopefully I say something good. Hopefully, hopefully I respond the right way. I'm trying. I'm trying. But you know what? The Bible doesn't ask us to try, does it? Paul doesn't tell, tell Timothy to try. He doesn't say, give it a shot. Do your best. And that's not what he says to us either. You see, with, tr- with trying, often there's no goal in sight. There's no purpose. And therefore, there's no transformation. Training, however, is intentional, isn't it? It's intentional. If you're an athlete, you go to the practice, and hopefully, hopefully, your coach has an intention for you. You, you train with a purpose. We learn plays. We run plays. We, we learn the system, the offensive system, the defensive system so that we are intentional so that we can be successful in the game, right? That's why you train. Our training is intentionality towards Christ-likeness. But here's what we have to remember. We are training from what Christ has already done. We're training from a completed life, a life that has already occurred, that has already been perfect, and we are training not so that we would achieve that, we're training so that we can participate in it. Over time, training becomes instinct. Faith becomes instinctual. Love becomes instinctual. Do you remember, do you remember um, Captain Sully Sullenberger? Do you remember that story where he's flying a plane, New York City, and both engines are hit by birds, and the, the plane is crashing, and this guy landed a plane on the river, and nobody got hurt? I submit to you, he did not try to land that plane. He had spent thousands of hours training in how to land a plane on a river. He, didn't, he, he wasn't there going, what, I, I guess I'll just wing it. No, all of that came to his mind in the moment, didn't it? Every, every minute in that simulator came to mind, and he knew what to do, and he knew how to land that plane. It was instinctual for him in the moment. Are you living instinctually in God's love, in God's grace? Is love normal for you? Is peace the standard? Is joy always within reach? Is prayer your first response? Is is kindness your first response? Do you excel at giving like we talked about last week? Are you slow to speak, 
quick to listen. Empathy, compassion, are these flowing out of you? Or are you still saying, I'm going to try to love people? I'm going to try to be kinder. See, here's the thing. Even though I'm using this language of instinct and natural, here's the thing. Again, here's the paradox. These instincts, these natural things that the Holy Spirit puts in us, they don't just happen. You have to train in them. You have, to, you have to, by looking at Christ, by remembering what Christ has done for you, and then literally thinking it through, okay, how will this apply? As I walk in the door today, as I walk into this meeting, as, as I'm about to have to confront my child with a discipline issue, okay, how does the love and grace of Christ train me for this moment? That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. How? How do we do this, Brady? I'm going to give you four things from the text. Four, how, how do we train for godliness? Number one, by beholding Christ in the gospel. First and foremost, we train by beholding. We train by looking at Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. <clears throat> we look at His past, the past glory of the cross. We look at the present, His presence with us. And we look at the future. Our hope is in the living God, verse 10, 1 Timothy 4, verse 10. To this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people. We train by keeping the gospel story of Jesus in the forefront all the time. Now, how you do that, there's a million ways to do that, isn't there? There's a million ways to do that. But at the end of the day, you've got to constantly be preaching the gospel to yourself. You've got to constantly be renewing your mind with the gospel story. Christ died for me. Christ is with me. Christ is coming again. You've got to let that be the narrative. You've got to let that be the story that you're repeating in your own mind over and over and over, listening to it in your songs, reading it in Scripture. That's going to be number two. How do we train for godliness? By training in the word of the faith. Look at verse 6. Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being, what's the next word? Come on, let's try again. Being what? Trained in the words of the faith. Notice it doesn't say being trained in the word of faith. That's a false gospel. The word, word of faith teaching today is a false gospel that says, if I just believe, God will make it happen. That is not what Paul is saying. Notice the, trained in the words of the faith. What's the faith for a Christian? The death, burial, resurrection, and coming again of Jesus Christ. It's the mystery of godliness from chapter 3 that He appeared unto us, that He resurrected, that He was taken up in glory, and that we're, been, we're proclaiming Him around the world. 
That's the faith. Christian, are you reading the words of the faith? You say, well, now you got, you, you, you got all legalistic on me. Tell me I got to read my Bible. Listen, I, it's kind of like Mark said last week. If I tell you to eat a meal, am I being a jerk? Like, am I, is that legalistic? If I, if I say, hey, hey, everybody, take a breath. Everybody breathe in. Come on, do it. How dare you? How dare you tell me to breathe? No, that's, right? You wouldn't do that. Breathe, breathe. Right? When the doctors put the tube in and they say, how dare they? How dare they force that person to breathe? They're keeping you alive. Don't you see the word of Christ, the word of His grace, it will keep you alive. My pastor, when I was in high school, used to say, this is divine electricity. That's what he would always stand up and say. The Word of God, the Bible is divine electricity. Listen, we all need a good zap of that electricity. Listen, grace in, grace out. This is grace in. This is, yes, can you read this in a legalistic way? Can you read this and make it a book all about yourself? Yeah, you can, and that's wrong. You have to read this as a book about God and His love for you. You have to read this as the story of Jesus you have to find Christ in it. And when you do, it'll be grace. It'll be, it'll be sweeter than honey. <laughs> it will take over, and, and then that's what will flow out. You show me a relationship that's struggling. You show me two people that sit in my office, and they say, we're, we're struggling. We're having problems. I, I promise you, I would bet my left arm, they are not in the Scripture. They are not letting grace in. And when you don't let grace in, then grace ain't going out to each other. It's just not, it's not legalism. It's life. Why do we have small groups? Why do we have small groups? Because you can sit in here every Sunday and hear these sermons, but until you are, look at His Word, trained in it, being trained in the Word, Look, hearing a sermon is the first step, but when you go to small group and you talk about the Word, when you meditate on the Word, when you apply the Word to each other's lives, what are you doing? You're training in it, right? I can read you a book about how to fix, fix your car's engine, but unless we go out there and open the hood… Number three… How do we train for godliness? By training in and with the church. By training in and with the church. Look again at 3.15. 3.15, he said, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the what? Truth. Is that how you see your church? Do you see your church as a pillar and buttress of the truth? My church teaches me the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who can say amen? amen. 
man, I hope, I, I hope and pray if we ever stop, may God have mercy on our souls, all right? That's when Jesus starts snuffing out candles. We aim to be a church that upholds the gospel, the truth of the gospel. Are you letting the church train you? Here at Grace, we talk about the four E's and, and, and moving to the right. Some of you have engaged with the gospel. Some of you have been evangelized. You've heard it. You've even been confronted. You've had people say, hey, do you want to trust Christ? And praise God, many of you have said, yes, I trust Christ. <laughs> You're saved. You're what we call saved. And then, and then my next question is, are you being established in the faith? And then ultimately, are you being equipped in the faith? When you look at this, can you place yourself on there? Hmm, where am I? Okay, and if you can place yourself on there, do you have a plan for movement? Do you have a training plan? We would love to train you here at Grace. <laughs> Classes, two squared. You say, well, I, you know, look, I'm sorry. I don't know what to say. Get discipled, man. Get, do it. Get trained. Get trained. All four books of two squared will meet tonight at six o'clock upstairs. All three books. Did I say four? Oh, I have a vision. <laughs> I'm thinking ahead. All three books of two squared. We'll meet tonight. Hey, Awana meets tonight. Did you know that? U-turn. Tuesday nights, high schoolers. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan? Do you have a training plan? How do we train for godliness? By practicing your eternal living today. Look at verse 8, chapter 4, verse 8. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. See, Paul, Paul doesn't want Christians to say, okay, I'm godly, I have Christ in me, I'm godly. Yes, yes and amen. And now I can go to heaven. <clears throat> yep. All of that is true. You are heaven ready. But it holds value not only for the future life, but also for the present life. Do you see that? Godliness is valuable now. How? As we start to live now like we will be one day. How many of us actively think through I am going to live today, I am going to train my mind to think today like it will think in the presence of God. Will I be doing it in heaven? Let me start training for that now. Let me start, let me practice heavening today. Listen, what have you, what have you decided to treat people the way they'll be treated in heaven? What if, what if you actually <laughs> talked to your spouse the way Jesus will talk to them in heaven? Do you think your marriage would change? 
Yeah, I do too. What if you, what if you dealt with your kids the way Jesus will deal with them in heaven? Do you think the dynamics in your home could change? I do. What if you served your boss, your manager, the way you'll ser- serve Christ in heaven? Do you think your attitude at work might change? I do. Why not start forming heaven habits now? Lastly, a warning. Reject all forms of godliness that are devoid of faith. Flip over to 2 Timothy. Everybody flip over to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Man, he's talking about he's talking about sin, he's talking about trouble. Look at verse 2, people are going to be lovers of themselves. All kinds of sins listed. Verse 3, sins listed for treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, ha- th- these folks have the appearance of godliness but deny its power. Some some translations say they have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. Christian, listen, and I get it. This is where it gets hard. This is where it takes the Spirit. This is where it takes wisdom. This is where it takes constant assessment of your own heart Is my godliness, true godliness from faith in Christ and His finished work, or is it a form of godliness? Is it a fake godliness rooted in my own conceit? That's the question. A godliness, he calls it a godliness without power. So, outward practices but without any internal power, without resurrection power, without the power of Christ's love. You see, there's, there's a mechanical spiritual growth that can happen when we say, when I, when I say, I'm going to judge my spiritual growth based on the disciplines I do. So, because I read through the Bible in a year, therefore I, have, I am growing spiritually. <clears throat> Wrong answer. Here's how you know if you're growing spiritually, because there's a power inside of you that causes you to trust God, love God, love others. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Is your self-control, for example, is your self-control from love or is it from embarrassment? You just don't want to look stupid or bad. So you, so you don't do bad things. Maybe your self-control is from pride. I'm a good Christian, and good Christians don't do that. That's not, that's not the power of Christ, is it? <clears throat> that's a form of godliness without the power of Christ. And so we have to constantly be asking ourselves, 
Why do I do what I do? See, and see, here's the thing as a pastor, I just got up here and ranted and raved about go to, go to a class, go to a group, <laughs> go to two squared. But look, listen to me. For some of you, those things might just be forms of godliness. Oh, all I got to do is go to this class and I'll be godly. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. You'll be godly because you learn to trust the Lord. If the class can help you do that, right? All I got to do is read the Bible and I'll be godly. No, it doesn't work that way. You're godly when you trust in Christ in you. But can the Scripture help you trust in Christ in you? Yes. Do you see it? Hopefully you see it. And hopefully as we're discipling each other and as we're looking into our own hearts, we're able to see this, these truths. We're able to discern between these truths. And here's the thing. Here, here's the truth. You know what? You're going to do a thousand things this year. 2023, you're going to do a thousand things. You're going to serve. You're going to help. You're going to give. You're going to pray. You're going to do them all. I know you are, Christian. And guess what? Sometimes it'll be a form of godliness without power. <laughs> And sometimes it'll be true godliness from faith, won't it? Because that's what the Christian life is. <laughs> sort of this strange mix of the two, spirit and flesh, spirit and flesh. But what do we do? We surround ourselves with each other, and we give each other permission. Hey, call me out. Ask me the hard questions. Would you please ask me the hard questions so that I can know, was that just a form of godliness? <laughs> Or was it truly from my heart's resting in Christ? Did I give, did I increase my giving out of grace? Did I serve in that ministry out of, like, help me, help me ask the hard questions so that I can look deep into my heart. Listen, some of you this morning, maybe you're here and your whole hope of salvation is in a form of godliness. Why, how and why are you going to heaven? How and why? What will get you into the presence of God? And if your answer, listen to me, if your answer is, well, because I grew up in the church, or because my mom and dad, they, they raised me to be a Christian, or I got baptized when I was seven, or, well, because I go to church every, every, every week and I give, and I know, I know that God will look at the good things I do and He'll let me in. Listen to me. Heed my warning. Those are forms of godliness without saving power. Because every single one of those is just rooted in yourself. They're not faith. They're not faith, and they're not grace. And God only functions from grace. God only saves by grace. And grace is only applied by faith. So if that's you this morning, I, I would just ask you, just ask yourself that question. What is, what is my hope in life and death? Like we sang, what is my hope in life and death? Christ or yourself? 
If it's a form of godliness, reject it, turn to Christ, repent of all forms, and Christian, I'm talking to you too now, repent of all forms of godliness and embrace the grace of Christ, which then allows you to be trained up in that grace and love and serve from knowing that He has fully loved and served you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, you are my godliness. Literally, here's the mystery of godliness. He was. Jesus, you, you were, you are, you are to come. The mystery of godliness in my life is no mystery. It's out there. It lived, it died, it, you, you lived, you died, you hung on a cross, you, you rose from the dead, you are alive in me. May each of us find that that is the true source of all holiness and godliness. But God, don't leave us there. Help us to train within that. Help us to train in it because we believe it, because we trust it with all our hearts. Help us to want Jesus, help us to want your life, your character to become instinctual to us as we meditate on who you are and what you've done, as we behold you in the cross, as we sing about you and pray about you and read about you and talk about you. Jesus, Jesus, as as we're about to sing, would you become all to us? Jesus, I lift up anybody here who maybe is still holding on to a form of godliness. Would you allow their heart today to replace it with the real thing? You, your life, in us. We love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.